Hey, 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 welcome back. Yeah. Dig a little deeper. It's good to be back. After a little bit of radio silence, we are joined with our good by our good friend, Shane Willard, in the flesh. Come on, guys. I'm right here in this room. On the pod, yeah. <laughs> with my friends. And we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. But just first of all, thanks for being here. Obviously, um, we haven't been releasing content as often, but don't stress, we've got content coming. Mm. Uh, it's gonna be a bit more sporadic. We've got Keeping It Simple podcast happening, so jump on that if you haven't. But without any further ado. That's it. We're going to uh, we're gonna grill Shane about a few things, I guess. Well, yeah, let's have a, we always have good conversations in here, don't we? Yeah. Like, we do, yeah. Like it, it just seems to go someplace that is meaningful, and it's, it's always good to have these organic sort of chats with your mates that, um, that lead to meaningful things. It's good. Yeah, yeah. and we've obviously... I was talking to someone about this the other day. The la- one of the last times we spoke. So if you're listening, this is the first time you've heard Shane and you, you like it. We've talked to him before, so jump back in the archive. Oh, uh, one of my favourites was we were just like, let's ask you about swearing. Like, is oh. it okay for Christians to swear? And you just made it so much more profound than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it that was, was such a good conversation. If I remember right, that was meant to be like, hey, let's talk five minutes on this. And it ended up being like 14 to 18 and it was... It yeah, was really. Yeah. Well, I've got so a lot profaning of, uh, the the, uh, the breath name. Of, yeah, yeah, profaning the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're, you, yeah. Okay, so you, you're proud you never said the f word, but your whole life is one big giant f word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one big giant profanity. Yeah. in the face of God's gift on your life. Mm. Um, hello. Yeah, a yeah. lot more profound. Yeah. <laughs> Can we say the f word? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's where we're going today. Well, no. no. We, uh, you know, we've just had a little bit of a chat and. Um, and I guess just uh, what I wanted to talk to you about, Shane, was maybe just some of the trends that you see in church life, local church life, and maybe pinning that back to some sort of theological understanding of why. And I guess often when we talk about these things, I recognise that we're really talking about our own fishbowl here. Mm. And there'll be people that are listening to this podcast and your scenario is not exactly our scenario. Mm. So we're part of the Australian Christian Churches here in Australia. It's a Pentecostal movement, was formerly Assembly of God. And that's kind of our world. So that's the world we speak to. So I'm not trying to be presumptuous and and assume everyone's in this boat. But certainly for us, I guess what I tend to be seeing is a couple of shifts. There, there is a rising shift back towards pastoral leadership, mm. as opposed to this strong, strong corporate leader style. And I wonder whether some of that sort of may be attached to we've seen some of that strong, strong corporate leadership style come a cropper in mm. in recent times. Just and pastoral? Could you just define maybe what pastoral? Yeah, just more par- based more on the pastoral shepherding gift mm. rather than building the organisation and. I'm not a pastor, but I'm a leader and I get everything done through other people, which, you know, there's principles in that that are fantastic. Sure. Um, but sometimes it can, I think it gets ungrounded from the needs of the people and care for the people if we're not careful. And then, you know, people end up getting hurt in a place that should be safe. <laughs> so I, I think that's just one thing I've noticed and others, some of my peers have noticed there's this swing back towards more organic, more relational, um, more connected, getting keeping people more connected um, than just being on a roster and just making an event happen. And I guess that flows into the second thing, which is uh, sort of a bit of a shift towards a more contemplative style of worship, even in our public meetings. But, you know, having quiet moments or less than 
than hypey kind of moments, which I guess have to be honest, um, as a Pentecostal movement, we've been pretty good at that, at really pumping meetings and pumping music and uh, very strong leadership, you know, leading the segues, not leaving any gaps. Mm. And often we've said, you know, we don't want to waste people's time. Mm-hmm. By dragging out boring announcements and having thirty-five minute communion messages and then a then an hour and a half message and expecting people to remember any of it, mm-hmm. so uh, you know we, we've we've been there and we tend to be moving back. We've moved very naturally towards maybe more contemplative thinking, and have noticed that others are too. And we haven't been talking to them. It's like everyone's, not everyone, but maybe there's quite a few people that are hearing and sensing the same shift. Yeah. And I'm just wondering whether you could start speaking to a bit of that. Yeah, moment. well, it's it's a shift you sh- you would expect. Um, if you're, so this, the move of God tends to go in these in these waves and patterns. And when it becomes, what, what, what becomes obvious is if someone gets stuck, like if you were to go, um, purposely turn on a television and find, say, a TV church service that still does it like it was done in the 80s, right? And they're there. They're mm-hmm. out there. And it's you don't have to watch it very long to go, right? <laughs> but then you realize if you're old enough, there was a day we thought that was cool. Yeah. Right? Like, man, there was a day... There was a day that's what the move of God looked like. Mm. And let's give it the benefit of the doubt. It was. Mm. Uh, but then as the move of God shifts, if you don't get on the front of that wave, you end up swimming up behind it and you can't catch up. And then you then you have two choices. One is to go faster and move, or two is to dig in and go, well, these this group of people, they're just they're just compromising. They're just the they're mm. cross compromise. They, they're 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 authentic. They, they they mean well, but we're the real. So mm. you have that kind of thing. But um, what you would expect from a twelve year old who's now a twenty eight year old and has never had one moment in their life that they didn't have Google, social media, Wikipedia. They've never had a moment in their life. So you you would expect that twenty eight year old to naturally be more comfortable with um, with collaborative learning, mm. not being told what to do, but hearing four perspectives on how to consider something and then, hey, chew on that, mm. right? With no, mm. so, so whereas the old model was, I don't even know if this is the right word, I certainly don't mean it too derogative, but like the autocratic leader where, mm. look, I'm the man of God here, I'm the king, right? Um, and I'm the answer man. So mm. that model, um, the leader was the answer guy, right? Whereas what shifted a while ago, um, and if people didn't, if leaders didn't pick this up, they got behind on their momentum, mm. is uh, the 12 year old who's now 28, who's never had a moment without Wikipedia and without Google, that person actually, the leader they respect the most are not the ones just telling them the answers to everything. Mm. They're the ones that are query lines that are. And so instead of a search engine, the leader that's being respected now is the query line, mm. which is which is two different things. A search engine 
you, you, you type in whatever and, and then whatever that, that search engine pops out, you just trust it, right? The, the, whereas a query line is one that says, hey, have you thought about it this way or this way or this mm-hmm. way? And mm-hmm. what if we saw it this way? And so, and so a lot of this shift is just a natural cultural move based on technology that, that we should expect and shouldn't be surprised about. So the 12-year-old that's now the 28-year-old is far more comfortable with collaborative space. Um, they're far more comfortable with authenticity about their darkness. So, so the, the 28-year-old that's never had a moment without Google would much rather a culture or a environment where they can be honest about their struggles instead of everybody finding out at one point when they got caught. Mm. It, it's, mm. it's like, okay, I got caught, but everybody knew I was struggling with like... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, was any was anybody was anybody surprised that I got yeah. I got right. drunk the other night? I've um for the last six months you guys have been journeying with me on um on excessive alcohol consumption and uh, I've been doing pretty good mm. and I and, and I had a I had a bad night. No no one's surprised, right? And, yeah. and 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 we're still we're still considering the entire trajectory of my growth, not this one Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. not one plotted point, but the trajectory line. Yeah. Well, so so you would expect, you would expect that. Well, if if you would expect that just from the rise of technology, you would expect a few things. One is the twenty eight year old today that's never had a moment without Google would be more comfortable with collaborative learning, not being told what to do. Um, spaces where you can have an idea and get four different perspectives instead of see, you're a little older than me, but we're of the same generation. Our generation was, well, just tell us the one truth. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. flip. If if truth is truth, then there's got to be one, and mm-hmm. just. But but spiritual truth doesn't tend to work that way. It tends to be more nuanced. Mm. And 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 then and then of course even that situation got into uh, even the situation where just tell me the one truth. People who bought into that, they got into what we called ethical dilemmas. So like uh, so there's books this thick written on ethics, which is what do you do in the gray areas? Well, heck, man, when you need a book that thick mm. yeah, to define yeah. the gray areas, it's just a whole lot easier to go. Sometimes life is gray. Yeah, yeah. And right. and the best way to navigate that is through collaborative learning, mm. um, not being told by an autocrat what mm. the answer is. Mm. It's not search engine. It's query lines. Mm. It's it's not it's not plotted point evaluations. It's trajectory evaluations. So, um, like, I, I love the way Jesus says it, which is so, it's just so challenging. Um, the, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, here it is or there it is. The, the kingdom of God is like, it's like that, that small yes of a mustard seed that people say, and they don't even realize what that did to their life until five years of being disciplined with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes over the way they see their whole world. Mm-hmm. Well, that's permanent life change. Mm-hmm. And so in that, like, like, like here's the kingdom of God, right? Like, so if we, if we, to, if, if we at the next church service, right? So the building's packed, right? And let's say, Everybody's now in. It's in the fourth song. And you know those spots in movies where where the movie pauses and so every character is froze except for one character or mm-hmm. two characters. Mm-hmm. And um, like you saw this in Adam Sandler's movie Click where, you know, mm-hmm. he, oh, yeah. right? And so, and, and then like his boss, he, he, 
he was just a jerk. So he paused it and he just hit him in the groin 50 yeah, times. Yeah. And then he unpaused it. <laughs> and the guy's unaware that he's just been hitting the groin 50 times. And so he crumbles to the ground. Well, if, if we did that, um, like if we paused it and, and then and then the three of us went up on the stage. Right. And we were the only ones not paused. And I said, hey, t- tell me, uh, OK, th- th- those two people sitting right there. What's their story? And you're like, oh, you wouldn't believe this. Like eight years ago, they were here. And, you know, it's hard to see all the growth because it happens so um, mm, periodically, just mm-hmm. gradually. Um, but if if we took two plotted points mm. from where they were to where they are, they're much more whole they're much more happy. Mm. They're chasing less things. Mm. They're much more honest and authentic. They're hiding less things. Mm. Man, if you look at that, and along the way, there was a little bit of ups and downs, but mm. man, the mm. trajectory of their life is going good. Well, at what point was the kingdom happening? Well, to Jesus, the kingdom was happening every time they said that next small yes in their heart that then drove the trajectory. Mm. And our temptation in the Pentecostal world is to look for the one eventual moment that mm. boom, that's mm-hmm. where it happened. That, yeah, yeah. but mm. actually I, I bet, I, I, I bet it would be an interesting exercise. Like it's not possible in terms of reality, but to pause the whole room and just think through the trajectory of the last five years of that person's story or that person's story. And, 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 and a lot of times in the Pentecost, so I'll speak, I, so to be for, for full disclosure, for anybody listening to this, I, I am a fully devoted follower of Jesus who, um, who came from a Pentecostal tradition and regularly ministers in the Pentecostal tradition. So mm-hmm. I'm for it, mm-hmm. um, and, and not against it in any way, but in the, in the, in the Pentecostal tradition, we're wired more for the immediate mm. instead of the process. Mm. And because the process is, is a commitment over a long period of time to someone's entire journey. And, and you can, you can know that a couple different ways. When, when someone dumbs down the complexity of the nuance of the work of Christ in someone's story to make a better narrative out of it. And you dumb it down to one poorly constructed meme where you, by your weaponizing scripture against people who have no emotional connection to it, mm. that is someone at best case who is looking for the one eventual moment to do a permanent shift in someone's life. Mm. And, um, and normally it doesn't happen that way. Mm. No. Would you say that that kind of affects then, um, I guess how we're outworking our faith and that I guess if we look at that one moment and want everything to happen, like uh, even thinking think through things like um, healing or even discipleship where it would be a lot more convenient if that just happened at once. Mm. Like you have this person struggling with their finances. It'd be great if God would just drop some money out of the sky and right. that would solve that. But mm. then I guess if it's more of a process, it's like actually there's a bigger commitment to actually walk that journey with someone and help yeah. them. And actually the opposite of that is true when it comes to money. So the science on this is really clear. It's, I find this hard to believe, but it's like peer reviewed studies that I just go, what? 91%, 91 91% of lottery winners are completely broke within four years. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Like 91. You just wonder how they could spend so much money. It just shows that. If you don't have the character, intelligence, integrity, and wherewithal to build it, mm. if it was just dropped on you, mm. yeah. Well, think about it. how many people could you name? This is hypothetical, and so well, I know I know Bob, right? Mm. But it's 
how many people could you name that could actually, their character could handle it if $2 million was just handed to them? Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just, it's not a big number. Mm. And, and the ones we could name are probably the ones that already have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They already, they've already built it because if you, um, if you just hand somebody that kind of thing, and I, I think that's true, that's true of money. It's true of, it's true of title. It's true of position. Mm-hmm. Like somebody mm-hmm. says, well, I want to be Very the boss, so. but what if they just make, okay. So what if the sheet metal company just made that person in charge of 50 people? Well, and until you've shown you could be in charge of four or in charge of yourself, mm-hmm. just handing them that yeah. doesn't tend to work. Now that doesn't negate, um, I fully believe in a world of open possibilities where God can interject himself into anyone's story. Like I'm thinking specifically, I've seen a few people healed in my life Mm. where that was instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was like, Oh, you were here and now Holy smokes. Like, Mm. and so I don't, I would just say though, the reason we call it a miracle is because it's not normative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. If it it was normative, it would just be, Oh, that's normal. Yeah. Mm. But Oh, that was a miracle means we almost never see that. Yeah, that's yeah. the definition yeah. of, of a miracle. miracle. Yeah, and so and so what you what you what you find in the Pentecostal world that's starting to disappoint people is a overemphasis on eventual moments that are supposed to do permanent change. Where I think, I think the more healthy thing are eventual moments that give you a touch point to go back to, but then it's followed up with this process of teaching someone how to live the Jesus way. Otherwise you, you run into disappointment. And I I don't think like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know what, I'm I'm identifying with this. I, if I was to be honest and wasn't scared of God's furor or whatever, I, I, um, I gotta be honest, Jesus Jesus kind of disappoints me a bit. And, if I, and I've had this conversation mm. with people where they go, I'm just so disappointed with Jesus. And, and so then the next line of that statement is, goes something like this. I thought it would be this, but mm. in my, in my reality, it was, mm. it, yeah. it, it was this. And, and I've watched a lot of them be set free. Um, when I say, oh, well, that was, ev- that was all the disciples. Mm. What? Yeah. So, so these, these heroes like Matthew, Mark, Luke, like, not, not Luke, but Matthew, you know, and um, Peter and James and John and the, these guys, um, um, when they recorded their feelings uh, about Jesus, they acknowledged in their own writings that there was a, that I'll say it this way, that Jesus didn't tend to confirm their expectations around what God would look like. He tended to challenge them. Right. So, so as an example, um, most of Jesus's followers desperately wanted Jesus to come in the prophetic tradition. They're even tempting him with it, right? So there, there were four main thoughts about what Messiah would look like. There was the prophetic tradition, um, the priestly tradition, the kingly tradition, and then the wisdom tradition, right? Mm. And nobody wanted the wisdom tradition because it's long. It's the, and, and the boring one. It, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's long and process-oriented and requires people's heart changed and being disciplined over a long period of time, but then it's more permanent. Like, mm. you know, mm-hmm. You know, who wants that? They, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they'd, they'd rather they'd rather take a needle that makes them lose 20 kilos than to actually. Right. right. It's, yeah. Everybody yeah. would rather that. Mm. So so the, so so Jesus was quite disappointing. And they, they they tempt him a lot like, hey, those people didn't accept you. Is now the time you call down fire from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Now, now that, that seems like an odd thing, unless you understand that in their world, they thought the Messiah would be the new Elijah. So that's the other way they used to tempt them. They'd go. 
they go, are you the new Elijah? Like, like man up, bro. If mm-hmm. you're the new Elijah, go back and read the stories. Elijah's a fire caller. So he accomplishes God's purpose by calling down fire and destroying God's enemies. And, and the most famous of Jesus' followers that really believed that was John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is fixing to baptize Jesus, and he calls out, he calls out the Pharisees for their greed. You know, you know, he's a like, you brood of vipers who's warned you to flee the coming wrath, produce fruit and keep. Don't begin to don't even think you're Abraham's children, like you're fatherless people like this is bad. And then they're they're like shocked by it. And they, they're like, well, what have we done wrong? Like we we keep the Bible, you know, and he goes, let the one with two tunics share with the one who has none. In other words, your problem is you're keeping all these rules, but you're missing the greater thing of generosity and mm. instead of greed. And so, and so anyway, he says, don't worry. He goes, I, I'm going to baptize someone with water here. Uh, but the one that's, the, the, I'm baptizing you with water, but the one that's coming after me is not, he's just going to baptize the whole thing in fire. In other words, if, if you're not on the right side, um, go, go read your scriptures. There's a, uh, there's a fire coming down. So Jesus, so John had this full expectation that Jesus was going to establish the kingdom of God with violence and, mm. and fire calling. And then, and then later the Romans have him in jail. They're, he's they're, they're going to behead him. And remember he sends word to Jesus and goes, are you the one I expected you to be? Or should I expect another? Because mm-hmm. if you're the fire caller, bro, now would be a good, good time. Time. <laughs> yeah, would be yeah, a yeah. great time for you to do that. And Jesus sends back word to him in this, kind of remez code that says, mm, um, I, I am the Messiah, but not in the way you think, you, yeah, you the think. blind are seeing, yeah, the lame are walking. Yeah, yeah, it's not this fire. It's mm. actually, it's actually, uh, we're changing people's lives. Mm. Um, and, and, and his fo- some of his followers wanted him to take over Rome, which was the, the kingly, like you establish the kingdom by being a king, yeah. a king, mm. like duh. Mm. Right. And Jesus just did this thing that, um, he challenged their assumptions by going, uh, Jesus came more in the wisdom tradition, which was, um, I'm in it for the long haul. Mm. I'm in it for the process. It's so it's not immediate. It's process. It's not political. It's personal. It's, um, it, it's, it's a thing that will make more permanent change. And, you know, if you read, um, say, a history book like Dominion by Tom Holland or Bullies and Saints by John Dixon or and, and you start to see how much Jesus was on to something, even though people in his own day were disappointed. And mm-hmm. and like this is a a straight quote from Luke twenty four. Um about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Like Check. Mm. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he would have been the one mm. to redeem Israel. Mm. Mm. So these are disciples going, we can't honor Jesus more than we do, but man, there's this one place where we, we wish it looked different. Mm. And I, I think that's the temptation for all every leader you want God to work within the culture that you're the most comfortable promoting. Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. And you do. And, and then the temptation is, is to call my thing kingdom, but anything that doesn't look like my thing, not kingdom. Mm. Right. So it all needs to look this way, mm. which, you know, had its problems. Mm. Right. Because as soon as I call my thing kingdom and, anything that doesn't look like that, not, well, then we miss all kinds of sides to the diamond where God is at work in people that, 
don't particularly like loud worship singing. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they uh, is is God not at work in the Church of Christ down the road that mm. has a certain liturgy and like I had an experience um, recently where I was invited to to speak for this church that um um although they were they were Pentecostal in the sense in the sense of they believe in a move of the spirit they. They, they believe in spiritual language, they operated and all that, but it was just 500 decibels down. Lighter, yeah, yeah. Lighter. Way down. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm 48. Um, probably when I was 28, I wouldn't have seen as much value. Um, but then again, I was a 28-year-old that never had Google Mm. Never had contemplate contemplation, never had um, collaborative learning, mm. but in their environment, um, at one point in the service, they broke people into little groups to, to discuss two questions collaboratively, mm. you yeah, know? Wow. Mm. Um, and, and I, and, and, and I, I was moved by it actually. Mm. I was, I, it was just, it was so refreshing to my soul because, you know, and I'm for everybody. Like I preach for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if, you know, I'm, I've been in the environment like, Right. And I've, and I've been in the environments and, you know, but then I've been challenged where, when I saw God at work in things that weren't like me, Mm. and one of the, one of the more challenging moments I've had in my life was when a Catholic priest had a word of knowledge about a health problem I was having, asked for permission to pray for me. And it was a table with five other Catholic priests, you know, and I'd never been prayed for by a Catholic priest. I, I didn't, I just I didn't want to be rude. Mm. I, I just didn't know, you know, we're we doing this in Latin. I mean, like, what, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I just kind of put myself in a posture of receiving and he put the cross on my head, you know, and, um, and then he just started praying in spiritual language loud. Mm. And I was shocked at the moment. And, and then I, and, and then he said, thank you for the, um, thank you for the privilege of letting me share hope with you, you know? Hmm. And after all that, my response was, I was so thick, you know, uh, my response was, you pray in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> and his response was, you don't, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. And I said, no, no, no. I pray in, I, I pray in the spirit. There's no trouble. I just didn't, I just didn't realize Catholics hmm. did, you know? Hmm. And he said, do you think the Pentecostals cornered the market on the Holy Spirit? <laughs> he said, we just, we just don't want, we just not necessarily, we don't want to be known for that. Mm. Mm. And, and, and I thought, well, that's the diff. Like, mm. And he just said something that I use all the time. He said, you can have something without having to be known for that something. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Mm. And I thought that was just so profoundly wise. Mm. I use it all the time now. People think I made that up, but mm. you, you, and I, I'll, you let them. I'll own it. No, no. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Because I, I think it's just so profoundly true that, like, how many things in our life do we have but choose not to be known for it? Mm. Like, like I, I can pray for the sick, and I've seen some people healed. But no one thinks of my ministry and goes, that's what he's known Healing for, is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've, I've been a part of someone being set free um, from demonic oppression twice. It's not something I look to do. It's, mm. It was particularly frightening, to be honest with you. Um, but but no one. So I I I have done things, but don't want to be known for those things. Mm. I, mm. I want to be known for my belief in Jesus as evidence for love for my world. And if that means 
reaching the next generation by creating some collaborative space, Mm. some moments of contemplation that grounds them in truth with meditation and, and, and neural, uh, in psychology, if you meditate on a thought long enough, it actually starts changing the brain to change how you see your world. Mm -hmm. It's it's in, Mm. in psychology is 25 years ago. It was called cognitive therapy. Now it's called neuro linguistic programming where, um, it's the same thing. It's the renewing of the mind Mm. that as a person thinks inside themselves, so they are. So helping people change their thoughts to where they actually change their brain. And when you change your brain, it actually forms the way you see your whole world. Mm. And so, but creating space for a 28 year old to, go through the process of changing their mind and and con- contemplative thought that's grounded in some liturgy and some some truth that they could meditate on and be grounded in to have collaborative learning space um, and to to have a space where like 25 years ago if if somebody said I'm just a bit disappointed in Jesus there would have been no space for that no no yeah. Not in my world, at yeah. least. Um, but to see, wait a minute, even the disciples were like, man, we, we can't honor Jesus any more than mm. we do. But man, we'd hoped. This is this is the incredible necessity of thinking journey rather than event. Right. And I think, you know, thankfully, we probably just started to move that way a few years ago, really. It seems like a short journey. And as we did, and I started to frame my world, I guess, and even our everything right down to the way we would ask someone in a public meeting to respond to Christ, mm. it just it changed the language. It made me think, I cannot believe this is not where we've always been, mm. that we've been this in, out, good, bad, just mm. judge everything so black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not nuanced, and and but everyone's life is nuanced. Everyone's journey's nuanced, mm-hmm. and and failing to recognise that. And and there was a season, I guess, in our world where maybe it just it did kind of work, but um, it now just seems so I don't know Neanderthal or so mm-hmm. so aggressive and so not like Christ. It's coming from the wrong tree. Yeah. Yeah, the knowledge of good and evil. And right. Is it in, is it out, yeah. which has never helped us. Ever. And and I, so I think, you know, when you, you, you talk about things like collaborative learning and a move towards the contemplative traditions, if not the traditions, at least the practices, because mm-hmm. I'm not particularly interested in moving towards some of the traditional stuff. No. But certainly there's something in the practices. People have been doing this for a reason. And at the end of the day, contemplative practice is in Scripture. It's all through Psalms. It's all it's yeah. all through Scripture. So um, it just makes me... It makes me excited because I think it's just part of a bigger, this bigger concept of discipleship as a journey rather mm-hmm. than as a classroom yep. or as an event or as osmosis that if you come to church enough, you'll eventually be changed. Yeah, just get to church. But yep. it's more like can we journey with someone and can we walk with someone and be close enough to them yep. to be able to speak into their journey or to even just ask them the questions. Have you considered this? Have you wondered where that decision might lead you? Um, I, I, I think even just thinking about this stuff, it just seems to be a, a lot more like like Jesus did it yep. uh, without trying to claim the, the high ground there. But mm. even, you know, you've shared with us in the past, Shane, um, that rabbinic tradition where they actually, they didn't actually answer the question. They asked the question. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and even this morning in our men's breakfast, you you shared a, a scripture where Jesus asks someone their reading of scripture mm. as if Jesus needs someone else's understanding. Right. He didn't need their understanding, but the, I guess they needed to articulate it. Yeah, or, it, or it's a commitment from Jesus to meet the story where the story is. Mm. And how, mm. how would you do that until you hear someone out? Right. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. like one of the things you never see Jesus do is rushing in with all the answers. Mm. I mean, and it was a pretty big question too. It wasn't like a minor question. Like, how can I inherit eternal life? It's a pretty mm. big deal. Yeah. And Jesus yeah. goes, well, sit down, son. I got all the answers. No, he just says, tell me how you read it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he gives Jesus his reading and Jesus goes, I'll go with that. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. we it's do that. It's so different to like, how do, how do I you know, inherit eternal life? And it's like, repeat after me. Re- yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we have Say a, this prayer. We have, a, we have a magic prayer we made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and to, to your point about process, even like people have been doing it for years, but like the early church calendar. So even today, the high church calendar is in a season of Lent mm-hmm. where uh, I think it's five or six weeks out of 50. Think about that. Mm. Five or six weeks. So more than 10 percent of the year, they set aside time for expressing doubt, pain, uh, suffering, loss, grief, um, mm. and that leads up to resurrection, which is then a celebration of new life, fresh. And so, so the early church calendar, the preaching calendar, just followed what would have been identifiable with the experiences of the people they're mm. preaching to, mm. versus every week, you know, faith, faith, big faith, mm. giant faith, mm. no mm. doubt. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, and there's a place for that too. It's mm. called resurrection. Yeah, mm. yeah. right. But yeah. when 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 you and I don't think anybody intended to do this, but when you subtly say there's no place in your journey for setbacks, pain, mm. grief, mm. with without threatening your belonging here, mm. because if that thought gets through. Everybody's gonna think it's okay to struggle. Mm. Everybody's gonna think, right? and then, yeah. and that violates this thing we're building. Um, it just the problem is it just doesn't fit most people's experience. Mm. Yeah, mm. we. I mean, we had an experience last year where we were at a young adults event. Um, and there was a few guest speakers, and interestingly, the one by far that stood out the most, at least to the people that I was mm. with, mm. was not from our denomination. It was from a very different denomination, mm. and what shed on doubt. And like, basically mm. it's okay to doubt, doubt is the doorway to faith kind mm. of that thought. And it was just like, so many of the people that were with us were just set free where it's like, oh, right. all this stuff that I've been feeling and too afraid to share, it's actually okay for me to feel like that. Yeah, because the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. So, right. the, so the opposite of faith is, so people say doubt's the enemy of faith. Oh, hey, like the, the central cry of the cross was a cry of doubt. Why, why have you left me here? That's that's a cry of doubt. Doubt can be the doorway to, to faith. Um, uh, the, the enemy of faith is saying, if I can't see it and understand it, then it can't possibly be true. Mm. That creates a closed universe instead mm. of a, a universe of open possibilities. Yeah. That's the enemy of faith, mm. is only going with what I can understand and see and leaving no room for God to surprise me. Mm. That's the mm. enemy of faith. Mm. Doubt... Uh, doubt can oftentimes be be the doorway to to the darkness needed to be experienced, so we can experience great profound trust, and in that sense, can be the doorway to great faith. Mm-hmm. So whoever mm-hmm. that was, um, good on them. But again, if your whole model is built on event, 
one moment changes everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you know what? To be fair to people's experience, there's probably, if you're 60, you could probably name two, mm. three moments that were uh, moments that you couldn't go back from. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And amen. It's not like it's mm. never true, mm. but in terms of permanent life change, um, this is why I, I, I get on to parents sometimes who not get on to them. I just challenge them a little bit when it, when they say, Oh, you know, my daughter's dating someone, you know, and I'm like, awesome. I guess, you know, and they're like, Oh, he's an awesome dude, but we're not sure if he's saved, you know? Mm. And you're like, what does that even mean? Mm. And I'm thinking, um, and so I just play devil's advocate. I go, so, and they go, what do you mean? So you're not supposed to be unequally yoked and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, but the, the word yoke is talking about a way of life. So, um, you know, I, I have 50 questions before I would ask, is he a Christian? Like, does he have integrity? Is he lazy? Is he good with money? Is he kind? How does he handle conflict? Is he abusive? Mm. Is he jealous? Is he possessive? Does he spy on our emails? Does he, is he untrustworthy? Like, because you can go from aware of Christ's role in your life from not aware to aware in one moment, mm. but you can't really go from jerk to not jerk in that same moment. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, you'd much rather, uh, you know, option, uh, option a there. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the, it, it just defaults to this label system of in and out, right and wrong. And I want to be fair to, to anybody. This is not a Christian problem. This is a cultural problem. Mm. Every message you'll get on your phone this week is coming from people you already agree with. The algorithms are there to feed you whatever you think is already true. Mm. And then the other is the other. Mm-hmm. So, so as an example, right, I, I had a guy in Melbourne, Australia, right, um, ask me if a friend of mine um, in Dallas, Texas, was left. He said, I'm thinking about having him come speak. I said, well, he should. He's awesome. And he went, yeah, but is he left? <laughs> and... The, the instant, and this guy's a good guy and he's a good friend of mine. I can talk bluntly to him. Like we, mm. we'd be on the same level friends as I, I could speak bluntly and, and mm. could joke with you even. Mm. Um, and, and I said, I said, bro, you're left. He said, he said, I am most certainly not one of these leftist manby pamby woke, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I said, bro, cut the crap. You're left. And he could tell us serious. I was trying to make a point and he goes, I'll hear you out. He said, what do you mean? I said, okay, I just got two questions. Are you for every 18 year old on earth being able to go to a sporting goods store and buying an AR 15 rifle with no training class? No, no background check, no mental health assessment. You're just for any, they turn 18, they can go buy an AR 15. He said, no, that's dumb. Okay, second question. Are you for like social safety netted healthcare? Or are you for like everybody just paying their own way, even if it breaks them if they're sick? He goes, No, you gotta have a social safety netted healthcare. I said, Right. So here's what I want you to do. My friend that you're asking about lives in Dallas. I want you to get on a plane and fly to Dallas. Stand in Dallas Fort Worth International Airport with a sign, less guns, free healthcare. See how you go. See how right you feel. (laughs) You're not right. In Dallas, Texas. Every Australian is left. Mm-hmm. I said, now in also Norway, you're right. But in Dallas, Texas, 
your left. And the thing I was challenging him with is to automatically have this need to put something into a category. Mm. Mm. In or out, mm. saved, unsaved, right, wrong, left, right, Republican, Democrat, labor, liberal. Mm. Um, and, and all those things, all those things tempt us to do something so counterproductive, which is to labels are for products. Love is for people. Mm. And as soon as you can label someone, something other than a human being that the spirit of Christ is holding together and is at work in, you can justify mistreating them and Mm. not honoring their process. Mm. And so, and, and the 28 year old that's never not had Google, um, isn't interested in a, in an environment that doesn't honor that kind of process, Mm. collaborative learning, creative space, a culture that allows for darkness to be opened up about without having to be solved, where the entire thing is, is evaluated on the trajectory instead of one plotted point. Mm. All those things that weren't a part of our life coming up, um, are the shifts that you're seeing really work now. Mm. Mm. And, um, and, and I think it's, uh, I, I, I think it's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm excited because it, it, to me, it says that, um, you know, a discipleship model that includes conversation, pushback, openness, you know, that that's what we want. And it seems like that's what this generation's actually asking for. Mm. And it, it makes me think, number one, for church kids, there's this real hope that they can be part of the process instead of a spectator, mm. which is where I think they've felt for a while often. Um, but also for those outside of the church and those not yet on the faith journey in that mm. sense, it it just lowers the in-out thing. And it's just like, come on the journey with us. If you want to, you can come into community and you can belong and you can journey mm. and work this stuff out because we're not pretending like we've fully worked it out ourselves. And I think we've got to get to a point, I don't know, as the church of just admitting that we haven't had it fully worked out. <laughs> that Man, we are years- all like, we're all, here's what we are. We're two year when it comes to God, we're all two year olds drawing pictures with blunt crayons. Yeah. <laughs> and and some people are humble enough to admit that. Yeah. And they're the most refreshing people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's it. Right. And yeah. um So I'm excited for it because I think it's opportunity. It just speaks of opportunity in this generation mm-hmm. to not just do something different for different sake, but to maybe again I just keep saying to our team, we're not doing anything new. We're trying to get back to something old Mm -hmm. without saying let's do the early church again but but actually let's go back to some ancient principles that seem to have worked for thousands of years and i guess when we talk about contemplative stuff so if i think about this what we've talked about we've probably talked about these two areas of the way that we learn and the way that we perceive the world and then um you know Maybe let's open up the contemplative a little bit mm-hmm. and the value of that. Yep. And I, I wonder just for myself on a surface level whether we haven't been become more open to contemplative simply because of the noise of our world. Mm-hmm. Like earlier, right at the beginning of the podcast, Shane, you, you mentioned technology's driven some of these shifts. Yeah. And I look at it and it's like, you know, we're bombarded, so much information, tempted to be active on our phone you know, continuously. And it's really encouraging. I see young people that are really putting disciplines in place and trying to, they're starting, we're starting to finally learn to manage technology maybe. Mm-hmm. But possibly, I don't know, whether whether the contemplative is actually really an, an attractive escape. Yeah. It also activates, busy. if you want a great book on this, is a book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And what you, what he's a investigative journalist uh, from uh, Great Britain. And he, um, he, 
the, the, the best way I could describe it is he made himself a human experiment um, where he went to like Cape Cod um, and he uh, he he had no technology. So all he had was a phone that could call a number and talk to a human. Right. That's that's if so if he needed 911 or, mm. you know, something like that. Um, but he couldn't read he couldn't read the news on the Internet. He had to he had to actually walk to the local news agent and buy the newspapers from different parts of the world and read. And, um, and he did that. I mean, he, he did that for, I want to say it was 60 days. Um, and he reported his, he self-reported what it did to him. Um, and then he, the rest of the book is him interviewing neuroscientists around why. And, and the short of the long is, is that, um, your brain can only handle so much stimulus. And so, and so when you're just bombarded with context switches, your attention span goes down and your this is most important, your creativity center decreases. Mm. And so he found that after, I was either 60 or 90 days, that he was more creative than ever before. He was, um, he had unlocked ideas that was in there, but couldn't, he couldn't access them because there was so much stuff mm. coming at him. Mm. And he wrote a book called Stolen Focus. And so, and so I think whether they've read the book or not, it's another thing, but the, the young people that are starting to put disciplines around their technology, they're starting to realize this is not a good, I am operating at far less capacity than I could. And, and it, it's a, it's a seeking of wholeness and, um, and, and this awareness that if I, if I read everybody's, um, take on their conspiracy, then I won't trust anything and mm-hmm. that's not good. So mm-hmm. I need to, fi- I need to figure out how to find trustworthy sources and, 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 and what that's going to lead to, which is a good thing is a seeking back to w- truth, purpose, um, um, why am I here? And, and the place to find that is, is, is local churches that help people journey mm. with, in, in a shame-free space around that. Yeah. With, but the, the, the shift we're talking about too is, is a shift away from uniformity and to unity that they aren't the same thing that, mm. uh, that, that differentiation and opposition are not the same thing, but every message on the phone will tell you if they're different, they're opposing you. Mm. And, uh, and that's, that, that is just not true. Not true. Oftentimes they're a good flavor to your life and everybody can be our teacher. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you've got to sort of, um, hold things in tension. Like one of the losses of a great skill seems to be in the public space is the ability to hold things in tension. Right. You've either got to be here or you've got to be there. You're left, you're right, you're whatever. Mm. There's this massive polarisation. Uh, I think there's a kickback against it, though. Like it's starting to cer- be. Certainly in Australia, there's a bit of a kickback where some of this phony stuff is just getting called out yeah. as, as untenable. It's untenable because here's, here's one of the best skills you can develop, and I could make a case that it's one of the primary skills God reveals to us in Scripture. And that is the ability to accept a person without affirming everything about that person. Mm. So tablet culture, when I say tablet culture, I mean phones, internet, um, uh, social media feeds. Mm. Um, they, they, what feeds the advertising dollar in that is to say, if you can't affirm everything about them, there's something to fight about, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But you see the opposite of that in scripture. You see, you see God regularly accepting people without affirming everything about them. Mm. The children of Israel build a gold cow. Mm. God's response was to feed them. Mm-hmm. Like I accept you, but can we put that away? Right. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I'm not, I don't have to affirm everything about you to, to accept you. I mean, heck J- J- Jesus served communion to Judas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and he didn't, 
like overlook his betrayal. He actually named it, but but despite it, I'm still going to serve you a meal. uh, Peter denied Jesus three times and Jesus's response was to cook him breakfast on the beach. So the, 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 the idea of, um, and I love in, in Paul's sermon uh, to the Romans, which it's probably another whole podcast episode is, is some thoughts on Romans, but Mm. um, it's the most misused book in the Bible, probably Mm. because I was taught my whole life that Romans was Paul's formula on how to go to heaven. Mm, right. Mm. And so the, and the famous climax of that is if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth, Jesus, Lord, uh, uh, you'll be saved. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was taught that's the formula. Well, there's a problem with that one. He doesn't write that to any other place. Yeah. So the poor Corinthians, they have no idea how to go to heaven. The, the Galatians, <laughs> they didn't read each other's mail. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it was all in one book. Um, you know, nowhere else does he write that. And I just wrote a course on the book of Romans and I didn't see it until I was studying for it. But not four pages, four verses before that. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, as you believe in heart and covet. Romans 10, 5, a spiritual person never asks who ascends to heaven. <laughs> yeah, mm. or who descends to the deep, mm. right? Mm. And so, so Paul's, so this isn't about going to heaven. Paul's, Paul's writing this sermon, Jews and Gentiles in the same room. The Jews are upset because the Gentiles have borrowed their God, <laughs> without and and throughout the rules. And and you know we look at these 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 Judaizers. You know we quote Paul as if we'd be different. We. Christians are not known for their tolerance of people who want to be known as people of faith, but throwing out part of the rules they like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah. It, we're not great yeah, at this, yeah. right? So the Jews were like, okay, you can't borrow our God and not circumcise. You can't borrow our God and not go to Jerusalem. And you can't borrow our God and put bacon in the green bean casserole. Can't do that. Yeah. Right? And the Gentiles... The Gentiles were like, I don't want to be Johnny Raincloud here. And we realized that you believe that God trusted you with his scriptures, but it didn't do you very well. <laughs> yeah. Your your lack of faithfulness is compromising God's faithfulness. So, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And the Jews are weaponizing scriptures against people who had no emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. And wondering why. That, so Paul is writing this brilliant sermon and he chooses Phoebe to preach it. Yep. Paul chose a female preacher. So <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. And... As with all good sermons, he does this homiletical genius stuff, but as with all good sermons, the application's at the end. So this is how you should live given what we just discussed. And his final application was in Romans 15, 7, 8, 9, somewhere under there. Um, Therefore, accept people who aren't like you, for this is part of your worship to God. The ability to embrace someone who I would see as the other is part of worshiping God for God accepted me without affirming everything about me. Mm. And, um, we can call that, uh, contemplative, collaborative. Um, we can call that anything, but I, I just think it's healthy Mm. to create the kind of space where someone is almost forced to hear someone else's point of view out without fear of shaming and not belonging. Mm. Mm. And, and this generation loves that stuff. Yeah. Mm. And we can either dig in and we'll be the TV preacher in 20 years that everybody's going, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah. or, or we can see what God is up to in maybe unexpected ways. 
and realize if you've ever had the thought, you know, I wish God was up to this thing faster. Yeah. So did the disciples. <laughs> we, we had hoped he would have done it different. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a lot of our stories. But at the end of the day, um, God's on this very long process journey with all of us that, that establishes something he called kingdom, which is just beautiful. Awesome. Well, I think that's a brilliant return episode. Hmm. And uh, and we might sign off so we can do another one. See you in the next one. So it was great to have you with us once again. Really good to be back on, on the Dig a Little Deeper platform. Hmm. Um, we've missed it a bit. If you haven't shot across to uh, Keeping It Simple, which is all about discipleship, uh, then feel free to check that out too. And we will see you uh, in the next week or two with another episode with our good friend Shane Willard.